Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Well, Ian, we end Drew Sember uh, on a high note. Denver Broncos were able to hold on for a 16-15 win over the hated Raiders as the Drew train pulls into the station to end the 2019 season. A 4-1 mark for the rookie quarterback. And really some positive feelings and some and some good vibes heading into the offseason. They, they missed the playoffs, obviously, but I think that we are uh, a pretty pretty excited about the future of this team, and, and it's all because of, of the Drew train, right? It's all because of Drew Locke and, and the fact that there is uh, a quarterback of the future on this roster. Drew, Drew. Exactly. I, it, I, I think the, the exciting thing is that you said that word excited about the future because there is excitement there is hope for the first time in four years that's been a four-letter word that hasn't been present in broncos country for the last four seasons it's been one of those is this ever going to end is this ever going to end and now we finally have the answer to that and the five games that drew lock played all he's done is continue to show that he belongs. Even in a performance on Sunday where he really didn't do anything, as is the case with the entire offense, the offense really didn't do anything, there were still moments from Drew Locke where you're like, yeah, I can see it. The way he was able to keep plays alive with his feet, the way he was able to keep drives alive, the the plays that he made, as Joe Rolls tweeted out with a video of, the Patrick Mahomes-esque play that he made to find Cortland Sutton when he was scrambling around. You can't teach that. And the the thing that Drew Locke has done over the last five weeks is shown that he belongs, that he should be the guy, that he is the guy. And he is the guy going into 2020, which is exciting. And I can't wait to see what this team is going to look like in what feels like 84 years from now. But they have cap space. They have draft capital. They have the ability to take the Drew train and make it even better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's something that uh, obviously when we get further down the line in the offseason, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, free agency and, and, and draft. And we'll you know hopefully have some guys on. But really, this is a game that uh, I think was a, a perfect example of the things that are 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 worth looking at and and sort of uh, give you that hope. And then the other things that uh, you you kind of look at and go, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm not sure how they can fix that. And this this game in and of itself had that had both of those aspects. And I was just kind of running through sort of the you know the NFL's uh, plays. You know they have the the list of, of possessions or whatever. And the the thing that strikes me is. Like you said, it, there wasn't a lot there from the, the Broncos offense. And a big part of that was the continued struggles with the offensive line and inability to block. 
Uh, you don't have great stats. I, I think Drew Locke was, um, you know, it says here 17 to 28 for 177 yards and a touchdown. That's not a stellar game. Most most of the time, you look at a stat line like that and you go, uh, "That's that's not good enough." You're going to lose that game. And with this Denver Broncos team and the way that it's constituted, they actually were able to pull out a game with those sort of mediocre stats from the quarterback. Uh, also from running backs, I mean, Philip Lindsay had a, you know, 18 carries for 53 yards, certainly not a great game for him as well. Uh, your leading receiver was Deshaun Hamilton with five catches for 65 yards, which is fine, but not a stellar offensive performance, but the defense held firm. Uh, and, and you need look no further than that goal line stand in the second quarter. Uh, the, the Raiders had a 10-play drive that ate up four minutes and 15 seconds. They went 74 yards, and they stopped on the one-yard line. And it was, uh, I think I saw in the broadcast, it was the it was the Broncos' first goal line stand since the 2017 season, which is huge. And that's a, that's a, uh, a play right there, that's a series right there, that really set the tone for the rest of the game and allowed for the Broncos to... Uh, to sort of build on that. And and that to me was, was huge. You had the struggles of the offensive line. You had the issues with, with, you know, the, the, the defense sort of bending all the way to the brink, but never really breaking until the very end of the game and not giving up touchdowns in the red zone. Sure. They gave up a lot of yards, but they did not break. And that right there, that, that goal line stand was a, a perfect example of what this team can be on defense what they are as a team right now, and the potential that they have moving forward. I really think that that was an important part of the game, obviously. I mean, I'm not going out on a limb here when I say that, but it shows a lot about this team beyond just that one series. It was the entire game all wrapped up into that one series. The stat of the game for me, I I think for all of Broncos country and everyone watching this game, I think it would be for John Gruden as well. The Raiders were one of five in the red zone. One of five. That is ginormous from your defense, which was the best red zone defense in the National Football League because that's where you want your defense to be the best. I I don't care about yards. Don't give up points because that was one of the things that the Orange Crush defense did. They were a bend but don't break defense. They didn't allow teams to score. You may have been able to move the ball on the orange crush, but you weren't going to score touchdowns. And that's what this defense did today. And that is a testament to Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and the defensive coaches because they have been ravaged by injuries this season on the defensive side of the ball. On the defensive line, especially, to be without Derek Wolf and Adam Gatsas and some of those other guys along the front. And on the offensive line, I don't think it was really unexpected that the Broncos would struggle when you have a mash unit where you're having a guy in Jake Rogers starting his first game and Austin Schlotman starting his second or third game. So you're, you're going on guys who are like depth third, at least third string guys starting for you along the offensive line. You're going to struggle offensively. So, But in terms of the defense, that should make Broncos country even more excited when you think about the guys who will be coming back from injury like Bryce Callahan and Bradley Chubb and the pieces that John Elway can add to fit Fangio's system with the, pardon the language, shit ton of cap space the Broncos have 
going into 2020 where they're going to be able to really stock up defensively. Yeah, I, I I love it. I wanted to ask you if you if you caught this on the broadcast as well. Uh, they were talking about Jake Rogers because you brought him up. I'm, I want to mention this. Uh, they had mentioned that he had been cut. Um, was it was it six times? He'd been cut six times, and five of those times had been by M- Mike Munchak. Had cut him uh, as a as an offensive line coach or offensive coordinator or head coach, something like that. I I thought that was hilarious that he has a lot of familiarity with Mike Munchak, but mostly it's familiarity with being cut by Mike Munchak. So uh, he understands the system. He just uh, isn't a guy who can uh, really perform in that system. I, I suppose uh, I just thought that was an interesting anecdote there, a little little story uh, about Jake Rogers and his, I guess uh, maybe his ability to just hang on in the NFL and in, in ways that, you know, when you just want to play and, and you don't have the skill, but you just keep finding places to land. I, maybe being friends with Mike Munchak helps him. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting story. In terms of Drew Locke, I, I mean, I think it's abundantly clear that he's the quarterback for 2020. And I'm going to read a couple of quotes now from the post game, And the first one is going to be from Vic Fangio. Fangio said, I thought he did okay. We never got into a rhythm offensively, I don't feel like. I, was ha- I wasn't I was happy with our performance offensively. But again, I didn't see anything out of Drew that told me, oh, geez, maybe he isn't the guy. I like the way he's played, and I like the way he's reacted and played through games that weren't going well. To me, that's part of being an NFL quarterback. He's shown that he's got that part in him. And I think the the most telling quote was from Chris Harris Jr., he was asked on the 4-1 and one finish to the season if that will impact his decision of whether or not to stay in Denver. Oh, yeah, definitely. We've got a quarterback now that I feel confident in that we can get it done. We've got a lot of guys on defense coming back, but, of course, the big decision is how I'm going to be playing and how I'm going to be used. And I can get into the rest of the quote later, but to hear that stuff from Vic Fangio and Chris Harris Jr. on Drew Locke, it's – I just, it's so refreshing to finally have the quarterback of the future for the Broncos because it hasn't happened in four years. It hasn't been there since Peyton Manning left. So it's, it's been 84 it's years. It's so nice. Yeah, it's been- it has been. And here I'll, I'll finish with one more from Noah Fant. On if being done with losing has to do with having Drew Locke as the starting quarterback, Von Miller. It has a lot to do with everybody. I sit back and watch Noah Fant develop, and I watch Drew develop in just a matter of games. We already know what Cortland and Phillip will and will get, and we'll get. Oh, we already know about Cortland and Phillip, and we'll get Juwan James back. The outlook looks good. I know a couple of weeks ago I was upset and kind of, kind of the tone from that, but I'd never lie to you guys. I'm excited about this squad, what we've got, and what we're going to be able to do next year. That's. When you have veterans like Von Miller and Chris Harris who who know, and that goes back to Drew Locke, despite what Von Miller said, it is it is all because of Drew Locke. It is all because of Drew Locke. Well, you're absolutely right. I, part of the development of the young players like a Noah Fant is having a, a quarterback that can help them develop. I think that you see in Drew Locke, and, and this is another one from the game that I thought was really interesting. They kept showing him 
uh, dancing and, and they did a whole thing on his dancing and rapping on the sidelines and, and things like that. And they were talking about his swag. They were talking about his, his attitude. He's, he's got something about him and I, and I don't want to go too far into the intangibles with Drew Locke because it's, it's really hard to quantify. You cannot put numbers on uh, a quarterback like Drew Locke in, in the way that he impacts a team just by being who he is. And, and that's something that when you watch him and the way that he interacts with the players on the sideline, the way that he interacts with the players on the field, his attitude out there, there's, there's something that is likable enough about him that guys want to play with him. I think that's what you're getting from Von Miller. That's what you're getting from Chris Harris. You're getting uh, these quotes about wanting to be in Denver because you can see that Drew Locke has something that people gravitate towards. And even even though his numbers weren't great in this game, in fact, I'm sitting here looking, he's got uh, two fumbles, one lost. Apparently the, uh, the Royce Freeman fumble was credited to him because it was on the exchange, I suppose. That's the only thing I can think. But even even with his numbers being not great, you still get a sense of this is this is a guy who can lead us to victory. This is a guy who can who can make plays. And you're right. There were there were plays where he would scramble and then find the open receiver. The the one that I think of, and I I don't know what down it was. I think it was a third down play, and he starts to run towards uh you know towards the line of scrimmage and looks like he's gonna run for the first down and instead just pulls up and and finds uh Cortland Sutton across the middle for just a short it was a short gain but it was enough to get the first down and he he makes those little things happen when things break down that you weren't getting from any of the other quarterbacks that the Broncos had throughout the course of the season and and, and again I, I just I keep going back to this idea that this victory against the Raiders was a a microcosm of what it is like to have Drew Locke as your quarterback, doing just enough to get things to the point where you can win the game, and then also having the defense step up and make plays. That's a that's a recipe for success, and Drew Locke will continue to improve moving forward. And so you will have you'll have more points on the board, I guess is where I'm going with that in the future. Before we get into the the rest of this game against the Raiders on Sunday. There's two quotes that I want to give from Drew Locke that just exemplify everything that you've said, everything that I've said, everything that Vic Fangio, Chris Harris, and Von Miller have said, basically what all of Broncos country has said is that he gets it and he shows it and not just on the field, but off the field. He was asked on his offseason plans and anything he can learn in the offseason about avoiding hits. I'm not going to read the full quote. I'll get to where he starts talking about his plans. As far as my plans, I've started thinking about it. This is my first offseason. There's probably going to be some quarterbacks that used to play here for the Denver Broncos that I might give a call and ask what their plan was going ahead. What did you do with your receivers? When did you get them together? When did he feel it was a good enough time to let everyone have a little break and then bring everyone back and focus? I'm going to make a couple of phone calls and talk to some guys who are pretty good at this position. And hopefully by the time I have those phone conversations in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to have an intact plan. You have to talk to John Elway and Peyton Manning. One's in our building, and one's been talking to me and leading me through these five games, and I appreciate him doing that for me. And then the last one on whether that help from Manning was more technical or emotional. I would say both. 
the biggest conversation we had was going into the Houston game, just to how to manage things on the road, being super duper good on first and second down. I think I said it before, it's stuff that you've heard as a quarterback before, but to be able to hear it from a different voice with a different twist, it's nice to have that guy in your corner who can maybe talk you through some scenarios that might pop up in that game. I reached out to him hoping that we could talk, and he was really quick about responding, and we got on the phone. That should make every single person who said that smile because it shows that he wants to get better, that he wants it, and that's going to that's going to show John Elway. That's going to show Peyton Manning. It's going to show all the guys in that locker room and in that organization that he wants it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. And and he he does have an innate ability to make things happen when they need to happen. And, and the 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 series I'll go to is the series that ended the you know pretty much put an end to the the first half. And that was after recovery after the fumble recovery. Uh, that um, the Broncos were able to get the ball, and they they got the ball on the Oakland's 41-yard line, and in 43 seconds, they drove down and, and scored a touchdown. And the half was winding down, and they knew they needed points, and he orchestrated a very good drive. It was it was short, five plays. Uh, you know, it was it was quick. It was the the plays were were smart plays. He didn't do anything stupid. They got some help from a. a, a you know, a pat, uh, a, a, what was it? A pass interference on uh, a Cortland Sutton. He tried to throw the ball to Cortland Sutton. I mean, they, they, they made things happen. And with short time, he sort of took over and was able to make, make plays and get things done. And they go in at half up 10 to three in a, in a half when really they could have been down by as much as 10 or even 14. If the ball had bounced a different way in a couple of places. So taking advantage of that, that's another one where you look at that and you go, Okay, he was able to make things happen in a short short amount of time where the rest of the game, maybe they struggled, but here in, in a pressure situation, something that you and I have talked about a lot and you bring it up often, third down, red zone, inside two minutes. Those are all places where you want to find a quarterback who can be successful. He's proving that he can be successful in those areas. This was another one that I really enjoyed watching him orchestrate that particular um, th- that particular drive, it was it was perfectly done. The last stat that I'll say and reference about Drew Locke is that he won his fourth game, which ties the Broncos' rookie re- record for wins by a, a quarterback in franchise history with John Elway. John Elway did it in ten games. Drew Locke did it in five. So clearly, Drew Locke is better than John Elway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I obviously much much better that's i mean would that be like 50 percent better i don't know numbers are hard for me i don't really know um as, as far as this game goes though there were a, a lot of milestones to even talk about uh as far as things that happened for the broncos and and the the one that i want to talk about first was just going to go to von miller here because uh he is you know the leader of the team on defense and just in general he's the face of the franchise uh and and von ended up with uh, the sack that he needed to surpass Elvis Doomerville as the um, was it 26th, 26th uh, on on the list. So that's pretty good. And 26th in NFL history. And he has uh, he has 106 sacks for the decade, which means he has the most sacks of any player in National Football League in in this decade. That is a huge milestone. That is a major accomplishment and, and something that I think should be celebrated. He's 
he's the goat. He's he's I think maybe uh, he he could be considered the best defensive player in Broncos history. And yes, I know Randy Gradishar played for the Broncos. To continue the defensive milestones, Todd Davis finished with 15 tackles, eight solo against the Raiders, plus two tackles for loss. For the season, Davis finished with 136 tackles, the most since DJ Williams got 141 in 2007, and it's the sixth most in franchise history. You referenced the Andrew Beck touchdown from Drew Locke. That was made possible because of Trey Marshall's heads-up play to strip the ball from Marcel Atman and recover it with one minute and 11 seconds remaining. In terms of offensively, Philip Lindsay. As you mentioned, it, was, it, it wasn't really a stellar day, only getting 53 yards on 18 carries. However, it put Lindsey over the 1,000-yard mark in back-to-back seasons, and he is the first undrafted player in NFL history to do that. He's also the first Denver running back to get consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons since Clinton Portis in 2002-2003, and he is just the fourth Denver running back to get back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Joining Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis, and as you referenced before we started recording, Bobby Humphrey. I know I couldn't believe I got that right. Like I, I thought it, and then I thought there's no way. And if you don't know who Bobby Humphrey is, that that's okay. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but he was uh, drafted in the supplemental draft, as I recall. So he wasn't even drafted in the in the regular draft. And was it 1980? I want to say 89. I, I believe it was 1989. So, yeah, I mean, and, and he had a couple of good seasons. Good for good for Bobby. Good for Philip Lindsay. Hopefully Phil has more good seasons. It's not just those two on offense. Cortland Sutton, he had four catches for 52 yards. And as I mentioned in my winners and losers, you know a player has incredible value when they leave an impact on the game, and they really didn't do much stats-wise. Four catches for 52 yards is obviously nice, but he recovered a key fumble that gave Denver a first down, and he drew two pass interference penalties. But in terms of the milestones, Sutton finished the season with over 1,000 yards receiving and is just the third receiver in Broncos history to reach that mark in his second season, joining Lionel Taylor and Brandon Marshall. And then we'll cap it off with the reason the Broncos won this game, Shelby Harris, who defended his second pass of the day on that two-point conversion, and it was his league-leading 10th by a defensive lineman. And I'm not shy in saying I want John Elway to pay that man. He can pay Justin Simmons, and he can pay Shelby Harris. And he should. And he should. He absolutely should. I think uh, milestones are good, but you you just talked about Shelby Harris's uh, final sort of play, knocking down that pass on the two-point conversion try. Uh, uh, after the Raiders scored a, a touchdown on a series that was just insane. It was a crazy finish. I, I think we should talk about that. There, there are some things about sort of the, the final sequence of plays that I think are uh, incredibly insane that they happened. And, and I, I want to start with the missed field goal. And we talked about this before uh, we started recording. And, and Brandon McManus, you saw him on the sideline talking to Vic Fangio after uh, Garrett Bowles and his idiotic play where he gets called for a um, personal foul, 15-yard penalty, and it pushes them back 15 yards. And now uh, 
it's a 57 yard field goal. And, and we can go into whether or not it should have been a penalty on Garrett Bowles or not. The, the fact is Garrett Bowles shouldn't have put himself in that position. You don't make stupid plays. You don't do stupid things that can cost your team a game. And this one almost did. And the, the Garrett Bowles experiment, I'm so done with it. I don't know what the Broncos are going to do, but he just proves time and time again that he does not understand the game and, and doesn't belong out there. And, and I know that you feel strongly about that like I do. Uh, he, is, he is so frustrating at, at times. But we had a difference of opinion before we started recording, and, and I'm, I'm curious what your take is on it uh, or a little bit deeper. When that when that happened and they got pushed back 15 yards and it went from being uh, math is hard for me but I believe it would have been a 42 yard field goal now it's a 57 yard field goal if my math is correct, correct. Uh, that is that is when you say you know what Brandon I'm sure you could make this but it's really important that we don't take a chance here we're gonna go ahead and punt. I think they should have punted there. I think you punt that ball, you pin them as deep as you can, and you let your defense that has pretty much won you the game this whole day win you the game. And you put your defense in a position to be successful rather than putting them with their backs against the wall with, what, 30, 20, what was it, minute minute 30, minute 35, something like that. I, I just don't, I don't think you put your defense in a position to fail there. And that's what Vic Fangio did by taking a risk and asking Brandon McManus to make a 57-yard field goal. There are a couple of things that I love. I, I really like the decision to, to go for the win. First, you're, you're seven and – what are you? You're seven and eight at that point anyway? Or six, six – no, you're six. Six and nine. Six and nine. So your six and nine has no impact on on where you end up. It Just you, you play to win the game as Herm Edwards would say. The other big thing for me is that the Broncos punt team coverage has been horrible this season. And you have no idea what Colby Colby, Colby Wadman is going to do. Is he going to shank it? Could it get blocked? Could your coverage actually end up giving up a return touchdown in response? So I think it was playing against your horrible punter and punt coverage units and saying I'd rather I trust my defense in this position more than I trust my punt my punter and my punt coverage yeah I I get where you're going with that but I would actually argue uh, that he hadn't had a punt blocked all year as, as far as I can remember maybe maybe one I don't I don't know for sure but I don't remember one being punted that's one two he actually had been punting the ball pretty well in this game if you look at at his stats they're not terrible. Not great, right? It's still Colby Wadman. Let's not get carried away. But I think that there, what you tell him is, you kick this ball as far as you can. I don't care if it's a touchback. I don't care if it if, if it goes out of bounds at the 30. You kick this ball as far as you can, and then the defense is able to go to work with a minute 30 left, and they have 80 yards versus 40 yards or you know 60 yards. It's it To me, it's just you're playing the numbers. And you're right. You... You want to play to win the game, and I'm with you on that. And one way to win the game is to kick the field goal and take the lead by two scores, and, and it's pretty much over. The other way to win the game is to get, put your defense in a position to be successful and and win you the game. And and that's where I would have punted. And you're right. It wouldn't have mattered at the end if they would won or lost that as far as where they ended up, other than I think 
didn't they they're second in the AFC West instead of third, I suppose, right? There's that. And then also draft position. But I, I don't think they, they really they, I think they they could have picked eleventh instead of fifteenth. Right. Which I don't care. Which is where they ended up. Yeah. I I I, and I, I think the I think the way you avoid all of that is just not have your your left tackle commit a dumbass penalty to put you in a position to make am I gonna kick a fifty seven yard field field goal or punt? How about your left tackle just doesn't be a selfish idiot and doesn't put himself in that position to commit that penalty. Whether it was a BS penalty or not, you don't put yourself in that position. Exactly. And in terms of Wadman, Garrett Bowles had a pretty good game up to that point, and yet he morphed back into Garrett Bowles. So who knows if Wadman morphs back into Colby Wadman at that point. But thankful Shelby Harris knocked that two-point conversion pass down and we don't have to think about it. Right. And it was uh, an incredible play. And, and it's funny because we've started to see Shelby Harris uh, over the course of, of the last couple seasons become that guy, right? I mean, he he makes the play against Pittsburgh in uh, 2018 to put an end to that game, makes the interception in the end zone, uh, and then knocking this pass down. You're sort of seeing him do that. You're right. That guy needs to get paid. Justin Simmons needs to get paid, and and then I don't know what else you do beyond that other than finding as many offensive linemen as you can to fix the offensive line. That is what needs to happen moving forward. In terms, there's one thing I want to bring up, and that is what if the Broncos win those three close games against the Jaguars, Bears, and Vikings? And you had a good point that I hadn't even thought about is we don't see Drew Locke. Yeah, with the, if if they win those three games, those three close games, we're talking about a completely different season. We're talking about the playoffs, and we are not talking about Drew Locke because Drew Locke is on IR for the rest of the season and and just hanging out while Joe Flacco is leading this team to a I don't know divisional round, wild card round playoff game maybe I don't probably a wild card round you know wild card they'd be the, they they would probably be the sixth seed and going to New England. Ooh, so there you go. So, so, so I, I'm actually thankful they didn't win those games, and this turned into a Drew Sember to remember. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 